0: Hey fam, welcome back to our coverage of Western States week. This is the audio from our third annual pre-race live interview show that I co-host with Corinne Malcolm from the heart of Olympic Valley, California. This is the afternoon session from Thursday, June 22nd, our second of three sessions ahead of the 50th Western States taking place on Saturday. Today's guests include Megan Roche, Emily Krause, Tom Evans, Keely Henninger, Cole Watson, Ida Nilsson. Adam Mary, Casey Lichtai, and Ludovic Pomere. We will play all eight interviews back to back to back. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, we are live. Welcome to session number two of the Western States pre-race live interview show presented by Hoka. I am Dylan Bowman joined by Corinne Malcolm as always, Corinne, say hello to your fans. Hello, my fans. Did you get a nap in this afternoon? I
1: did not. I tried to do work on my computer, but people kept coming to talk to me instead.
0: I got a huge nap in, so I'm fired up and ready Jelly. for this session. And then we roll straight into the weekend. We've got a couple awesome guests to open up this second show. Before we get to them, just want to say a big thank you to Hoka, the presenting partner of the Western States 100, a great supporter of the race. Also a great supporter of the sport of trail and ultrunning, the best sport in the world. Thank you to Hoka for being a great partner to Western States. Thank you to Hoka for supporting the broadcast that Corinne and I will be co-hosting throughout race weekend, including today's and tomorrow's pre-race interview shows. Megan, Emily, with that preamble, welcome to Western States. How are you feeling?
2: Thank you. This is incredible. What an amazing vibe. Also, I'm a Corinne Malcolm fan. So (laughs) sitting right here, I'm really impressed with what you all do. This is a lot of work.
0: It, we have the best jobs of race weekend, but maybe first for those who are unfamiliar with who you guys are, introduce yourselves, personal professional background and sort of the new role that you have within the organization.
3: Yeah, I'll kick things off. Hello, everyone. My name is Emily Kraus. I'm a I'm a physician. I'm a sports medicine physician and a researcher. I call myself a clinician scientist, heavy on the clinical, working on the science. And um, Megan and I, we are um, co medical research directors at Western States, and we just wrapped up the the medical conference this this morning. And so you can tune in, or um, we can share share more um, later about what we what we talked about.
2: And I've gotten to work with Emily for the last eight years. It's been such a fun journey. She's actually my boss. Hi, boss, Emily. Um, I just wrapped up my PhD at Stanford. I did a medical degree as well. And then I'm an ultra runner coach. Um, I love coaching athletes. This is like the best, I don't know, the best event for bringing all of those things together in one place. So really love being here.
1: Yeah, really, really important. Quick shout out for Megan's coaching here. You have, you guys have nine athletes. Correct. In yep. States, and I believe it's nine women In Western
2: States. We've got a powerhouse female athlete squad here. It's... I'm so incredible for our... It's it's like an incredible group. I'm speechless. Sitting in the front row, too, representing. So thank you for being here.
0: So do we... Do we refer to you as doctors, Krauss? Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor.
2: doctor, doctor? Yeah, definitely Megan and Emily. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Megan and Emily, okay.
3: <laughs> Megan goodness. just got her PhD, like she just got the diploma. So I think we can call her Dr. Doctor, doctor for the weekend. Dr. Doctor, doctor.
0: <laughs> cool. Say, yes, yeah. <laughs> love it. Say a few words about the FASTER program. I'm sure people would love to hear.
3: Yeah, so FASTER stands for Female Athlete Science and Translational Research. Um, I pulled Megan in very early on, like a few years ago. We're supported by the WUSAI Human Performance Alliance. You can learn more. Um, we've got a we've got a research booth at, at Western State, So, so come visit us and learn more about what we're trying to do to close the gender gap in female athlete research and translation. We have had some great informational um, sheets and uh, infographics that we're trying to educate female athletes and everything from menstrual cycle to fueling to iron deficiency and all these other areas that are talked about but maybe um, not well understood.
2: And we've done a lot of research here at Western States. We've had fun um, researching bone health here at Western States. Uh, One of my favorite memories in research is Emily was actually centrifuging on the bar here. So we were drawing blood and Emily was centrifuging it out in the bar. So we've had a lot of fun. Um, The Western States participants are incredible science advocates. And so it's a great population to research. They're always so passionate about being parts of the study. Um, And it's kind of a spoil for other studies when participants aren't as great as Western States runners.
1: Yeah, I got kicked out of that study. I'm pretty sure <laughs> back in I had, my ferritin was a little too high. I was an outlier. Um, but speaking of, I don't know, Dylan, if you have the stat off the top of your head, but it's something like via Western states and via kind of direct being directors of the medical research team here. Like this organization raises more money for research in the endurance space, like medical research in the endurance space, than any other organization that we know of, like, that's huge. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about kind of like what it means to be working alongside Western States to do like very important research on this endurance athlete population. Yeah.
2: Well, Western States is incredible too, because it's like the premier ultra event. So the studies that come out of here are the premier, some of the, the premier exercise physiology studies. So it's not just the fundraising, the fundraising supports these incredible efforts, but they're really, it's going to great scientists who are transforming the field of research and across so many different areas too. So we have cardiovascular research, genetics research, bone health research. It expands like every element of physiology. And I think that's so cool.
1: Microbiome research. Microbiome. I've definitely yeah. mailed my poop to people before <laughs> yes. due to Western States. Poop in a
2: bag for research. That's what they're all about. Yeah,
3: And our goal is to continue to increase the funding and increase the quality of the research here. So this is, um, Megan and I, I think our second year, or we're starting our second year. So we'll be um, calling for new proposals for next year's Western States research and hopefully getting more funding for it too.
0: I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, but maybe first talk a little bit about the history of medical research as it pertains to Western States. Because as Corinne mentioned, for those who are unfamiliar, the race has three pillars to its mission. One is to put on a world-class event check. The second is to take care of the course, take care of the trail. And the third is to be a leader in medical research. Do you want to talk a little bit about the history and what attracted you guys to this role?
2: Well, it's such an honor because I feel like so often medical research is an afterthought in these events. And to be one of the pillars at Western States, which is the premier event in ultra running, it's really cool from a medical research standpoint. So it has a long history of supporting athletes and athlete health, um, dating all the way back. And it's really cool to continue that tradition. And then I think Emily, were thinking, Emily and I were thinking about ways to continue building that, especially with female athletes, athletes that may be underrepresented. So how can we really view every single athlete as representative in these exercise physiology studies. And I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Marty Hoffman. He he was one of the one of the early
3: um, pioneers in ultra endurance and endurance research. And a lot of that happened here at Western States. And you can see his papers. I think they're still on the website. So, and he was doing those Western States medical research conferences way back when, before, before they were trendy.
1: Yeah, he was on my committee during grad school. Oh, that's epic. No he was the only one keeping the, the ship afloat, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I guess kind of speaking that too, like, Tell us. I'd love to hear a little bit about what research is going on this week in particular. I know that oftentimes there's research that's going on kind of all year long or in and around the race, and I'm wondering if there's anything specific that's going on at this year's race.
3: Yeah. So check out um, Dr. Uh, Gregory Grosecki and his team um, have a have a nice big purple tent over um, just to the right of me. I know um, your left, who's in the audience, and they're doing some vascular research. And so they'll be doing pre and post studies. Um, very impressive setup and. Um, Gregory, he's not, he's not new to Western States research. He's done some very cool gut bio,
2: microbiome research as well. And his tent over there is an impressive setup. It kind of looks like a mini house. So visit the mini house tent um, if you want to learn more about cardiovascular research. They're also looking at how it relates to kidney function, which is something that's highly relevant to ultra runners is hydration for kidney function. One thing I'm curious about is they're doing pre and post-race measurements. And given the weather and the conditions, I'm curious if there will be more post-race measurements. Perhaps athletes are in a better state to be tested post-race, maybe less DNFs. So we're excited for that. And I will say, just as a plug,
3: next year, we're hoping to do some longitudinal research. So um, before Western states, and we'll be recruiting female athletes training for Western states, doing some hormonal analyses. So planting a seed right now, if that is potentially you for next year, um, hit us up.
0: What is longitudinal research, (laughs) speaking on behalf of uh, probably most of the population?
2: Speaking on behalf of Dylan's sports brain. Longitudinal research is when we get to follow athletes over multiple time points. Um, So a lot of research that's done is cross-sectional at one time point, and the research gets stronger the longer that you can follow athletes or study participants. Um, It obviously becomes more rigorous and introduces more complications. So it's kind of you figure out the balance there with research.
0: One thing I'd love to hear from each of you about, including Corinne, Corinne is also a science-oriented person, and as she just suggested, I pretty much have a PhD in bro science and <laughs> nothing else. But just, like, how do should young, athletic, sort of people who are interested in sports science, like, think about building a career within the space?
3: Oh, that's a great question. I love inspiring the young the young future scientists, especially um, female athlete scientists. I think there's a gap in female athlete research and there's also a gap in female athlete researchers, and, and so, or female researchers who are studying um, these, these important topics. So I think anything that you can do to get exposure, um, follow faster. We have a lot of fun of sexy science, I would call it, that you can learn and get a bit more of an idea of the type of work that you could be doing. And also just um, reach out. Um, I, I'm definitely putting myself out there
2: right now. <laughs> telling
3: everybody, email to reach Emily Krauss.
2: <laughs> Spam her email. <laughs> Send her lots of emails. I think too also like follow your passion. So I don't, I don't think you need degrees to be interested in science and to really speak good science words. So I think stay educated. You can do that within honestly so many different professions. It doesn't have to be something formal. So coaches are incredible at this. Teachers, um, so many different people um, really elevate the science of what we do.
1: Yeah. There's no, I'd say that there's, there's no one way to do it. You don't need to be an MD PhD. You can be, they're pretty smart, but there is like lots of ways to be involved in science and science communication, which is like my house now. And that's like, it's really cool. It's like, I don't have to do all the research,
2: but I get to talk about all the research. And that's pretty exciting. You're so good at science communication. I'm like, teach me how, how do you do this? Yeah. She
0: even (laughs) makes it understandable to me. So I try. Um, Tell us about the conference this year. And and also like before we wrap up, I'd love to hear also for people who are interested in maybe getting involved or submitting a proposal potentially, like what the processes are. So the conference and the process.
2: Yeah, we just wrapped up a two day medical conference. It was really fun Wednesday and Thursday. Um, Wednesday was primarily for medical practitioners and people out there um, medically volunteering on the course. And then today was a lot of research um, open to athletes, coaches, runners. Um, So excited, we're gonna keep that going next year. We also have a research presentation at three this afternoon, and we'll be talking about a lot of those topics. Um, Yeah, so really excited to keep that building. And as far as future research for next year, we're hoping to open up proposals for those um,
3: research applications early August. So stay tuned, we'll try and promote it far and wide. Um, We really wanna increase the scientific rigor of research um, moving forward at Western States.
1: And I guess before we let you go, where can people find you out on the course if they don't wanna spam your inbox this weekend?
2: We have fun out on the course getting to various locations. I feel like my husband, David, and I, we're always like crawling through the woods to get out there on, on different places, but we'll definitely be at Forest Hill. Um, we'll be at Robinson Flat at the finish. Uh, we have a tent here if you want to come hit us up from a research perspective. So Look really for exciting. the kiddie pool out there. They'll find you at Forest Hill. Oh, yeah. I yes. got a seven-month-old baby, and he'll be in the kiddie
3: pool for sure. Leo's chilling in the kiddie pool. Yeah, um, we have some uh, faster videos that we'll be sharing at our, at our, at our tent, tent booth as well if you want to check it out. Awesome.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for joining. A big round of applause for doctors, Emily Krauss, Megan Roche. Have a great time this weekend on Saturday. Good luck to all your athletes and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you you for
2: having us. You both are the best. Seriously. Thank you so much. And thanks, Hoga.
0: We'll be right back with Tom Evans.
4: Great performance from Jim and a lot of a lot of expectations as always when uh, this gentleman hits the trail.
0: The Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc is the Super Bowl of trail running. It's huge. It's international. Jim Walmsley from Flagstaff, Arizona, the three-time Western States 100 champion. Because three times I've raced UTMB, I feel like I've underperformed every time. He sets the biggest goals possible. He looks at the fastest times ever run, at the biggest races, and he says, I think I can run faster. I was hesitant
2: and just thought he had a really big ego.
0: I kind of say it's like digging a hole. It
5: gets tiring, it gets hard, and it gets redundant, and for some reason you just go, I'm just gonna keep digging. The places where you really grow are
4: the ones that keep kicking you in the teeth.
0: Okay. We are back joined by great Britain's own Tom Evans. Tom, how are you feeling ahead of your second Western States? 100. The first was back in 2019 where you're a podium finisher, the first European to ever go under 15 hours. How's it feel
4: to be back? Well, firstly, it's lovely to be here I'm sat next to you, Dylan and Corinne. And um, yeah, I'm super excited. It's been, I can't believe it's yeah, been that long since I was here and actually just walking through Olympic Valley. It's, yeah, nothing's changed. It's exactly the same. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. I've had a, yeah, a fun build up block in the US and yeah, I'm just super excited and really looking forward to Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny to think, yeah, 2019 feels like a long time ago. And while you ran phenomenally well that day, you were third in under 15 hours, like a pretty a pretty solid run at Western States. but. When I reflect on like Tom Evans of 2019 and Tom Evans of 2023, I feel like it's Tom Evans 2.0 and I would love to hear a little bit of, I I, I do, I feel like you've like gone to the well, you've had some injury, you've revamped. We saw your performance at UTMB last year. Like I feel like the Tom that is here in 2023 is, is better as a better athlete, is a different athlete than 2019. And I would just love to hear a little bit about the growth that has like, that you've experienced since then.
4: Yeah, I think I think you're right and I'd say it I'd say it in exactly the same way. I think that yeah, coming into I wanted Western States to be my first hundred miler, so I probably slightly rushed into it and was fortunate enough to get a yeah, a start in twenty nineteen. Um that I just couldn't yeah, I couldn't turn down because it was one of my dream races to do and yeah, since then lots has changed, lots has happened. Um and yeah, I feel like I'm a yeah, I've gone through a lot of highs and lows since the race in 2019. And I think that it can be seen as a strength because I've come here and I've had a, what I think was a good race, but then at the same time, I think that I'm significantly better and a better athlete now than I was in 2019 and it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have as good a performance. You might run slower in a worse place. So yeah, I think it's a, a double-edged sword, but I'm yeah definitely using that experience as a, as a real positive.
0: So being a better athlete now, as you evaluate, I know you're an analytical guy. So as you evaluate your performance from 2019, where are the key places where you feel like you can improve here at Western States?
4: I think the, uh, the, pretty the main thing is just specificity. Um, I've been in Flagstaff for the last five weeks, training on very similar terrain um, with lots of downhill and then having access to Phoenix and the grand Canyon as well for heat and, Yeah. One thing we've really focused on this year is nutrition and heat and getting the most tech. Now, yeah, I like to think I'm analytical, but some of the spreadsheets I've been sent just completely blow my mind. Um, yeah, trying to sort of combine, yeah, high altitude and heat training, even though it's going to be a cool year, heat training is still a incredible way to train and adds huge amounts of performance. So yeah, I think that's probably been the best way and having the experience of doing now a couple of hundred milers. This is only my third hundred miler. Um, both have gone reasonably well so far. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited about putting that into, into practice um, on race day.
1: Yeah, so just like in 2019 where you came over for Lake Sonoma and then we're here for Western States. I think you did, did you just do a small Flagstaff stint that year? No, you went to, you went to, to Kenya, right? Ethiopia. This year you came over in black for Black Canyon. You ran that race in February. You went home. You've come back. You were, became part of the Hall family over in Flagstaff. I feel like this is kind of a theme for you when it comes to be putting yourself on the ground for a race like this. I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of like, I don't know, making making the States home for a while as you prep for such a like monumental race.
4: I think so. I think the Western States race in itself deserves a a huge amount of respect. And I think one of the, yeah, I think one of the failings of international runners has been not buying into the race and really buying into the culture. And that's something that I've definitely tried to do this year. I didn't need to race black canyons. I wasn't fit when I raced black canyons. I'd got married two months before and been on honeymoon and got fat. Um, so, but it was a great starting place and used it Used going to Flagstaff and staying with Abbey and Cordes hall as a bit of a, yeah, test the waters to see if it worked. And then, yeah, when I said, oh, let's do it again, they said, great, come stay for as long as you want. And it was sort of a yeah, proof of concept that it was going to work. And yeah, since it's coming out, I feel like I've done lots of American things, um, including going to the rodeo Flagstaff rodeo. Um, Solid. So yeah, I think Yeah. Becoming, becoming way more comfortable with the American trail running culture, I think has been a really big thing.
0: And it's great to have you part of the American trail running culture. Tom, you're one of the very few people who's finished on the podium of both Western states and UTMB off the top of my head. I can think of Killian Francois, Courtney DeWalter, Marianne Hogan, Marianne Hogan. I mean, it's a rare group of people who's able to do that incredibly, those are the only 200 milers you've ever run. And you finish on the podium of both Western States and UTMB. You're a remarkably consistent athlete. I wondered if you'd say a few words of like saving your best day for when it matters most, because I think it's something that is very hard to get right. And you've been able to do it really well over your career.
4: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. we actually, we spoke about that at this at lunch today is yeah, there are not many people who have done it, finished on the podium at both, um ever. So yeah, to be to be in the same sentence as those people who I sort of idolise and really look up to is yeah is is incredible. Um yeah, I think sort of the way of having your best day, I'm my training I don't do one single workout that I think, oh wow, that was that was awesome. but I do lots of workouts that I think oh I could go again tomorrow and the day after. And I think sort of yeah, consistency and not racing your race in training. And it's pretty easy to see sometimes you'll you'll log on to Strava and you'll see someone's workout and you'll think, oh my gosh, how am I possibly going to beat them? And then it occurs to you that that was probably their race that had been run. So yeah, I think it's just, yeah, not destroying yourself in training and knowing leaving a certain amount in the tank. Um, and I think with a race like this, it's it's a race of, yeah. A th- race of thirds. You've got alpine to start with. You've then got relatively hot and canyons, and then you've got what would suit a road runner at the end. So you've got to be able to have all of those skills. And I think being able to yeah combine different bits of training to hit those skills. So for example, this year like I've raced yeah Black Canyon 100k. I've raced a 35k sky race. I raced the British cross country championships over 10 K um, and then a technical 55 uh, K All completely different races. None of which I'd say were my strengths, but they all lead to here. Did I perform my best on those days? No, but in a reason, because I trained before I trained the day after and yeah, but hopefully have got the right formula to, yeah, to have a really good shot for something on, um, on Saturday.
1: Yeah. So speaking of those those thirds of the race and how you like to think about them, I'm curious if there's a particular spot in the race that you're that you're most excited about, or a particular spot where you think it truly suits your strengths to like the utmost.
4: I think um, for for me the most important aid stations, Michigan Bluff, um, and yeah, you can read into that as much as you want. And definitely for my race plan. Yeah, a lot of people will say, "Oh, the race starts at Forest Hill, but my race starts at Michigan Bluff."
1: Yeah, I, was thinking, I think that it might even start at Robinson Flat potentially this year. It could be a drag race.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I sort of, I kind of feel like it's going to be the majority will be pretty conservative for the first 30, and I think some people will get away um, in the first 30, but I think that will then there will then be a big group from Robinson Flat to. Uh, Yeah, till some point when the wheels will fall off for some people and some people will limp it in. And I think it's going to be a very, very exciting, very different race dynamics to what we may have seen before.
0: I agree. And we'll get into that later on in our analysis and prognostication panel tomorrow. Going back to where we saw you last, Black Canyon, 100K, that was the last time you were here in the States. You had a great battle with Anthony Costales, ultimately finished second. Curious sort of like what you've been up to since then. What were some of the learnings from that?
4: How do you implement those learnings as you've built towards Western States? I think, yeah, Black Canyon to me was, yeah, yeah, it was a real baptism of fire. I wasn't, I'm not someone who has to race in my best shape. I'm happy to, yeah, to not race in my best shape. And I knew that was the case going into Black Canyon. Um, I'd only been training for eight weeks properly. Um, So yeah, I knew it was gonna be, I knew it was gonna be a really tough one. And yeah, I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't good enough on the day. And that's, for me, that's brilliant. Had that have gone, had that race have gone better and I might've taken my foot off the gas, but at that point I could really then go into the details of, right, what do I actually need to work on? And don't worry about the stuff you don't need to work on. I don't need to get any, I don't need my 5k PB to be any faster, but what can I actually improve on to then be able to try and dictate, yeah, dictate the race at Western State. So yeah, it's been lots of focus on, yeah, on those three different phases, sort of getting all the necessary skills and topping up all of the skills that I think are going to be required to have a really good race um, at Western States. And yeah, I think you can, at that point, you can just try and push everything on a little bit. And then that's what I then did in the UK um, and then came out to the US. And then it was just, yeah, real focus on, real, real focus on specificity, training the downhills to be, Yeah, comfortable, and is great because you can finish pretty much every run with eight miles downhill. Um, I got my mile PR uh, running downhill Neldon Road. What was it? 408. 408. Leg speed,
1: ready. I think during that same training block, you spent some time in the canyon with some men that you will likely be rubbing elbows with on race day, including Hayden Hawks, and I think Danny Jones was part of that, some of that training as well, and I'm curious, you know, going into the race, if you've... I mean, you guys all spend a lot of time together, I feel like actually training the men's and women's field has gotten to see each other a lot. And I'm wondering, you know, what you take away from those experiences, you know, bringing those kind of those days into the race, obviously, you guys all know each other, you're colleagues, you respect each other, but just kind of curious like how those those days in the canyon, with the guys that you're gonna be pinning bibs on and, and racing against at some point during the race, maybe from the gun, maybe from Michigan Bluff, you know, what, is, like, what does that experience mean and how does that translate to race day?
4: Yeah, I think it's really interesting and I think it's a really nice dynamic where you can train with your competitors. Um, and when I trained with Hayden in the canyon, we both said to each other when we got there, "It's like, look, we're not racing today." <laughs> both of our coaches, Robbie Britton and Scott Johnson, had uh, messaged us both saying, uh, "This is not a race today." So um, yeah, so we were we were very very cautious. Um, but yeah, they were thinking along the the same lines, which I think is yeah is exactly what you want from a coach. So. Yeah, I think it's really good. You definitely know. I've raced against Hayden quite a few times sort of from CCC in 2017 um, and then the Coastal Challenge multi stage race. So, yeah, I know him pretty well. He's an incredibly talented guy. I've never raced against Danny Jones before. I've seen what he's done, he's incredibly strong. Um, and yeah, coming Danny in. Danny
0: Jones is in the audience here, Dan, raise your hand. There he is. Taking the, proud. He's,
4: he's got the notepad out. No, so yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it was super fun training with them, and yeah, what Danny did at Tarawero has definitely got my yeah prick my ears, and uh, oh, okay, this is a this is someone who I wasn't expecting to to yeah. race again. So it I think on, that was will, on your radar. Yeah, and I think we're I think we're very very similar. I almost think Danny is what I was in 2019, um, which is for me is pretty terrifying knowing what what that can do um yeah he would uh, danny would be my dark horse for the race
0: mark it down on your fantasy ballots folks tom last question before we let you go thanks so much for spending the time your strike me is just so intentional and i feel like it'd be fun for the audience to hear how you approach these last 48 hours both on the physical side and the psychological side
4: I think on the psychological side, for me, it's remembering all of the work that I've done. So typically what I'll do, what I did yesterday, is I'll go through my training from the last two, three months and look at everything that I've achieved rather than worrying about the things that I haven't achieved. And that was a yeah, a drill that I set out with my sports psych before UTMB last year, of, look at everything that you've done rather than worry about the things that you haven't done. Uh, I think that's super important. And then, yeah, physically, I did a little shakeout this morning with some efforts. Uh, Tomorrow I'll do a shakeout with, I got a couple of friends from the UK who are coming over and I'll run with Deb in the morning. Um, They're not really runners, so that'll be fun. Um, Yeah, they're here on holiday. Uh, It'll still be, it'll be great fun. And then, yeah, just go through my yeah, my crewing checklist with Abby and Cordis. Abby, who's sadly got a broken leg, but she's still crewing me from Forest Hill, um, which will be, I'm seriously looking forward to. And yeah, for me, the race is not just for me. It's for all of my friends and it's for my team as well. So yeah, just get everything sorted. All of the hard work has been done. Um, yeah, just remember why we're here. And yeah, I say all the hard work has been done. The hardest bit of work hasn't been done yet. Um, it's not going to be a case of train hard, race easy. It's going to be a case of train hard, race harder. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, truly excited to get in the zone and uh, yeah, just eat beige food. <laughs> <laughs> train hard, race
0: harder. Big round of applause for Tom Evans all the way from the UK. <laughs> Tom, thanks so much for coming back to Western States and good luck on Saturday.
4: Thanks very much. Keep up the good work. team.
0: Thanks so much. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Keeley Henninger. Hang tight. Pick up your mic. Here we are, we're back with Keeley Henninger. Keeley, third time here, ninth place in 2021. A difficult DNF when it felt like you were really having a special day last year. Maybe just reflect on those two experiences and why you're happy to be back.
6: Yeah, I mean, the first year I was here, it was my first 100 mile race. And I will always remember how awesome it felt to be at the base of Roby Point and see the lights and realize like I was gonna finish 100 miles. And I by no means like executed that race well, but I was so stoked to finish and to finish like pretty strong. Um, and stay really positive the whole time. And so that gives me a lot of confidence coming into this year, knowing I can at least finish 100 miles. And then last year was awesome. I started off feeling amazing. And then, yeah, to your point, had an unfortunate ankle sprain that turned into a lot of torn tendons that had me dropping out at Michigan Bluff. But that year gave me a lot of confidence to know that I can run with the front of the field, because I was running you know, 55 miles with the top ladies and felt phenomenal. So I'm really excited to have fought my way back and give it a third go.
1: Yeah, speaking of fighting your way back, we saw you at Black Canyon back in February where you executed just an absolutely brilliant. Race like I saw you at the aid stations. over like, oh, I saw you on the live stream, and then I saw you on course at the aid stations. I was like, oh, I was like, Keeley's, Keeley's in Western States mode right now. Mm-hmm. Like she's in Western States cooling mode. She's doing exactly what she wants with her crew. She's not rushing. Like it was seriously impressive. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about like having that moment in this like momentum that's building towards Western States because it felt like that was like a a big like a big moment.
6: Yeah, yeah. I think Black Canyons for those of you who watched was a really competitive race too and it also is in the desert so it's pretty hot for February and it felt like the perfect opportunity to channel like my calm mindset and try to channel how I feel during western states and also practice all of the things we'll do so that we get even more like robust as a crew because a lot of western states is just managing the punches that are thrown your way and so yeah it felt like a really good time to practice all of that and and have it work out
0: Say more about the calm mindset. That's interesting (laughs) to hear you say that because for those who didn't watch Black Canyon or who can't remember, you engaged in an incredible battle with Heather Jackson, like all the way until the end basically. Eden Nelson was there also. So talk about like the calm mindset and just like the competition at the front of the race and what led to you being able to fight there at the end and take the win.
6: Yeah, so last year, I think one of the things I didn't have dialed before Western States was the mindset, and I didn't feel quite as calm going into the race. And I felt like I was maybe running a little bit outside of my comfort zone, especially, you know, when I did twist my ankle, I decided I didn't want to stop and tie my shoe. Like, there was not a big sense of calm for me. However, when I was doing Black Canyons, I wanted to just be calm and run my own race and acknowledge that my own race was good enough. And while I did that for most of the race, there were two times that actually reminded me to be calm even more, is where I would try to run with with Ida, or a little faster because I thought I was running too slow and then I would immediately fall or immediately twist my ankle and be reminded that like no I need to trust that I'm doing enough I'm running my race and like stay calm and just go with the race instead of trying to run someone else's race and so yeah that mindset is kind of my motto this year because i the race is throwing a lot of punches at us like we have no clue what to expect for the first 20 miles or so and so just remaining calm through that and staying true to yourself is really important
1: Yeah, you've also, you've been in the Tahoe area since I think the middle of May. So you're, I think, you're not quite a local, but you definitely, like this, you're gonna be running away from home come come um, Saturday, and I just wonder, you know, like what has it meant to you to get to immerse yourself, run on the course a lot? I know that you guys were driving down to Auburn to get on the course a bunch. I think that maybe at this point you're almost, maybe sick of the course, TBD. Just like talk a little bit about like making that a choice and a priority, because I think that, that that's really cool and it's very, I feel like it's like this very professional piece of the sport.
6: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you're seeing it a lot across the board right now or people taking this race really seriously, but I love coming back to races because I think seeing a race a second or third time gives you such an appreciation for the race. It gets you really accustomed to the trails so that you're actually looking forward to parts of the race instead of looking, not looking forward to them and almost dreading them. And so, yeah, being here, I've gotten to see the seasons change. I've seen all of the trail work that's gone into preparing the trails for this race. And I've gotten to see, you know, the burn zones and all of these things that just make course feel even more personal and it's been really cool and living in Tahoe has been great because all the people in the town it's not very big everyone knows like I know everyone at the grocery store now and it feels just like home and so there's no like stress or pent-up stress around this weekend it just feels like oh I'm going for a run from here now and then I get to run some of the parts of the course that I've ran so many times and that I absolutely love so it's going to be really fun.
0: Talk about the decision to not race again after Black Canyon, because I'm sure there's some (laughs) temptation, especially coming off like what was probably the biggest and best performance of a career that has a lot of great performances in it. Talk about the intentionality with which you approach training and the decision to not compete again.
6: Yeah, I mean, I didn't only just not decide to compete. I took like six weeks where I was running probably half volume because I took the MCAT. And (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I definitely wasn't training. But I think to your point, while it would have been really cool to ride that momentum, I also acknowledge that training really hardcore for a very, very big goal from February all the way to the end of June is a really long time. And that is multiple training blocks. And if you are riding that momentum, the propensity to just overtrain and overdo it really early on is there. And so I really wanted to avoid that. And so I think even if I wasn't taking them cat, I don't think I would have raced again. I think I still would have taken a couple weeks chill and just like really, really recovered from that race and then built up again really slowly. So I could really focus on my training once I was here.
1: So I've I think I've been we've been racing against each other since 2016 I think all over the PNW and I I've gotten to watch this I feel like evolvingness of like your personality and your your confidence and your race tactics and mindset and I'm just kind of curious like as you reflect even back to just 2021 like I was talking to Tom Evans about 2019 to 2023. I feel like very much the same way about your 2021. Keely, your first hundred, sure. But like, I feel like as an athlete, your mindset, your focus has shifted a lot. And I'm just wondering if you want to reflect a little bit on kind of like how you've evolved as an athlete over the last two years.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think... I've been really fortunate to be able to put a lot more eggs into my running basket over the last couple of years. And so from that sense, I've been able to take it more seriously. But then I think I've been able to take a lot of pressure off myself because I've just evolved a lot as a human to appreciate all the other parts of life and not be overly focused on running and not like really psych myself out of running because that's all I'm thinking about. And so yeah, I've definitely like worked a lot on the mindset and just evolved a lot as a person that, you know, five years ago I would not even have known where I was today. And so yeah, 2021 Keely was still like getting here. I was on my journey. I feel like I was getting there. But yeah definitely still a lot to deal with in the mental department and really figuring out like positive mindset just believing in yourself confidence and all of that stuff and almost and and still just like you know continuing to perfect the fueling continuing to perfect the resting and not overtraining and all of that and just trusting that like you're doing enough and not always trying to fight yourself and fight your body and like push it to its absolute extreme and just appreciating what you're doing and that it will get you there.
1: Yeah, we've watched you kind of back off several times this year and I just like, I respect it so much that like the evolved Keely like really listens to herself. And I think it takes a lot of
0: confidence mm-hmm. to do that. So this is more, that's not a question. It's just like a big kudos. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe expanding on that a little bit on Tuesday, I was suffering through the end of a long run myself and you came absolutely <laughs> flying past me to the point where I was like absolutely dumbfounded, impressed by just how strong and and fit you look. And I think it was, I think just a a thing where, you know, I'd love to hear you talk about like, yeah, building that confidence because a hundred miles is intimidating, right? And now you're here, you're ready. How do you trust that you are ready in that moment?
6: (laughs) Yeah, I think I tell a lot of athletes I coach that you can never be ready for a hundred miles. So that's a good question. Um, But I think you just have to trust your training. You have to trust that you and your coach have a good dynamic that you've put in a lot of the work and that you've put in a lot of the mental work and that nobody is ever like 100% dialed for a 100 mile. Like our bodies are not made that way. And so knowing that like you've put in as much as you can that like has not gotten you injured, has not flared up anything for you, leaves you feeling really strong and you're like appreciating that, acknowledging that it's enough. That's that's all you can do for this distance because, yeah, you, there's never, like, a checkbox that's like, you are ready. Like, we wish there was, but there's not. That'd
0: be nice. <laughs> maybe last question, if you'll indulge me as a very sentimental guy. <laughs> you were recently engaged, and I think these uh, these great personal moments in our lives also impact our athletic career, so maybe talk about the engagement, your fiancé, JT, <laughs> what role he's going to play this weekend, and Anything else you want to say about that?
6: Yeah, so it's like the Jordan year, 23. so our trajectory is up right now he's crushing it in his work and I'm kind of like on the same trajectory hopefully here um, but yeah so we got engaged basically at the beginning of my road trip down here and yeah he's like my sounding board and he also just keeps me very 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 centered and he's not a big runner so he questions things in a way that most people around me do not and it's really really refreshing and and keeps me like a lot smarter and a lot stronger than I would have been otherwise and so yeah we're really excited about it Um don't recommend getting engaged and immediately not seeing each other for six weeks i know corinne did it but we both don't recommend it anymore so nobody else do it it's not very fun um well <laughs> but yeah it's yeah. really cool that he then he could come here and he's here for this too so yeah we'll
1: we'll let him hug you first at the finish line we'll give him
0: that we'll give him that and then dylan and i will come give you a big hug <laughs>
6: um, sounds good
0: maybe final thing that is just popping into my head are you doing something with this poster in your backpack do you want to tell the people about what you're up to
6: yeah, so I recently presented some findings at ACSM, which is American College of Sports Medicine, and we found we did a big survey with a lot of you probably. We got over 3,000 trail runners to fill out a survey on fueling habits and things like low energy availability and disordered eating, and right now we're just kind of highlighting those findings, and basically in a gist, it's just showing that, you know, we're not really hitting the mark in terms of fueling when it comes to training and racing for these really long distances, and so we really just wanna start echoing the message that, like we need to really prioritize our fueling during these training and racing endeavors so that we don't have the negative health outcomes that could come with something like low energy availability, which could result in more stress fractures and time off running and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I hopefully get to present some of that a little later. Today? Today. Where. Uh, In indoor presentation area. Yeah,
1: there's a presentation. I mean (laughs) you can hang out with us for the next like 75 minutes too But I think uh, over with Megan and Emily who we had on earlier I think around 3 p.m. Or so they're gonna have some more science presentations that Keely will be
0: presenting her poster at Amazing well Keely, good luck on Saturday. Thanks for making the time to come hang out with us on stage And we can't wait to watch your race. Thanks for having me big round of applause for Keely (laughs) here Be back in just a second with Cole Watson. Okay, welcome back. Maybe just to (laughs) reset quickly. Uh, Obviously, this is Western States 100 week. This is the pre-race live interview show. My name is Dylan Bowman with Corinne Malcolm, and we are joined by HOKA athlete Cole Watson. Want to give another big shout out to HOKA for all their support, not only for the race itself, but for our broadcast efforts here. Cole, Welcome back to Western States. You were 14th here last year. Solid result, but we all know you're capable of a lot more. Reflect on last year's performance, where you think you can do better.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true to participate last year for the first time. And uh, it was a great 80 miles. And then uh, the wheels just started falling off, got got sick. I think maybe the heat and maybe overeating got to me a bit. Um, just. You know, so after that, it was a bit of an abysmal last twenty, but uh, I'm hoping I can do have more of the same that you know that that first eighty and maybe have some legs to run the last twenty this time
1: you're an athlete who has been in that golden ticket hunt for a while. We've talked to you about this back at back at uh, canyon's endurance runs back in April. You'd come up just just shy of tickets. I think what was it four times is a lot. Yeah.
5: I'm, I'm losing. I lost count. We've lost count. We'll yeah. have to ask
1: Brett later how many times. But you got you came into Canyons and not only did you get that golden ticket but you you won there and I think that we are all just like in awe so excited just like like, like legitimately like happy for this victory for you because it felt like it was a long time in the making and I wonder if you can reflect on like what it meant to you personally to come across that line not only grabbing that golden ticket but coming across the line in first.
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, to, you know, work so hard and come up short so many times uh, and then finally, finally, you know, achieve, you know, a goal that you've had for several years. It's I mean, it's I guess everything, you know, Um, and then to do it in Auburn, you know, a place that is uh, kind of a second hometown to me um, in front of my friends and family. And, um, yeah, it's just so special to, to finally see that, you know, you know, be solidified.
0: What was it about canyons that went so well for you? Because as Corinne said, it was so flawlessly well executed. I wonder like how you've been thinking about it since and how you hope to replicate that effort on Saturday.
5: Um, I, a lot of it had to do with just the course know-how. I mean, I've trained on those trails so much um, and I mean, it just like gave me peace of mind. I knew everything that was coming. Like I wasn't worried when different folks would push a little bit harder cause I knew like, I knew how long the climbs were and how, you know, how many minutes I had to hurt. Um, and then I also, I revamped my my race uh, nutrition strategy just after several long ultras of getting sick, uh, you know, past halfway, you know, six, eight hour mark. I just, uh, you know, no pun intended. I got sick of it, and I consulted a sports dietitian, and we got a few things ironed out that were, I mean, they're actually pretty simple, simple fixes. I I think uh, we'll see if it, it works. Well, why do you list
0: them? I'm sure the audience would be interested to hear you talk about that.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was just not overeating not being so rigid like on a on a timetable like you know fueling every 30 minutes or every 45 minutes it's just like if you if you're getting too hot like just be okay with pushing that timetable back a little bit that that interval back you know get cooled off and and when i would do that i was able to eat um uh, so and like one big category was the carbohydrate intake i i mean a lot of people are trying to get 60 or 70 or 90 carbs per hour and a lot of times when I was getting sick I wasn't really even doing the math that well and in hindsight I was pushing 95 100 sometimes of carbs grams carbs per hour and, and that was just a bit much for me so I went I went down quite a bit like in the 60 range and maybe I was a little underfueled at canyons but I didn't get sick at all so.
1: Yeah, threading threading the needle there a little bit. So, you know, you talk about how the canyon success was maybe partially owed to just being really familiar with those trails, the, that, that area being like a second second home for you. I'm curious, you know, you've you've got experience at this race, you've got experience on these trails. In my mind, that's a huge advantage coming into a race like Western States, and I'm wondering, from your perspective, sitting here now, like looking looking ahead to Saturday, like being able to use that course knowledge, does that feel like a superpower?
5: Uh, yeah, a little bit so. I mean, a lot of, like, my peers, I mean, they've they've run on this course a lot, too. You know, everybody in the top ten and um, a lot of people that, you know, come out here to train on this, this course, and it's, you know, maintained so well throughout the year that a lot of people can do that. At least, you know, the last 40 miles, you can get on that most of the year. Um, so a lot of folks know it pretty well, but um, I do notice myself in training, like, really uh, kind of realizing like what sections I can run really well and what sections I need to take my time on and, and that's really valuable in a, a race that's so long and you know you need to be able to pick your moments and pick your spots
0: So then talk about the recovery after Canyons I'm sure people would be interested to hear you talk about how you approach that it's only seven or eight week window after a deep 100k effort how did you approach the recovery and the final training block leading to western states
5: uh, Yeah I, I probably have to credit my new, my newer, my newer coach, Brett Hornig to that. I just, I mean, overall, like since December, we've, uh, scaled back my overall volume a lot. Like I'm just not running as many miles per week, as many minutes per week. Um, focusing more specifically on workouts that are specific to each race. Like we did that for black Canyon. We had a short buildup before CIM. I think it was six to eight weeks or something. It was a really quick turnaround. Um, and then maybe another six to eight weeks before canyons and then eight you know seven weeks of training maybe before this Uh, so after every race i was taking a full week off and then the next week i was just trying to run again and feel normal and the next week we'd do some strides and then so it wasn't like a ton of weeks of like really high intensity workouts but they were just really specific like when it counted um and i think that we just made the most of the time that we had
1: Yeah, I feel like having watched you race a few times now that that I think that you've you've had some flyers off the front But for the most part, I actually think that you you are a good tactical racer And I'm wondering how you're thinking about the back half of the race on Saturday
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely raced a lot of different ways, but relatively, you know near, near the front, you know, um, but I, uh I would i think i'm going to run fairly conservatively like similar to how i ran last year i think i was i was in the top 20 at robinson and i mean i, I think that's about where i'd like to find myself again that's where i'm comfortable but uh, uh i'm just hoping that my stomach holds it together like I, I don't think there's a whole lot to change from the way i ran my race last year mm-hmm. you know i i got um i got to the river right where i wanted to be but instead of running that last 20-ish miles in three and a half hours. I ran it in, like, five and a half or something. So if I would have, you know, just kept it together, you know, and that is a lot of what-ifs, and, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs and a lot of variables in a race that's this long with these types of elements, but uh, that's, that's that's the hope,
0: yeah. Going back to your training, one of the things that you and I spoke about recently, you said that earlier in your career you would sort of try and hit home runs in your training and sometimes you feel like you left your best efforts in training and something we just talked to Tom Evans about too, about like saving for the best effort for when it matters most, which is on race day. Anything you want to say about that?
5: Um, I I think that's definitely true. I mean, um, I think I just had this mindset Maybe it had something to do with just like being a really competitive road racer and track racer early in my running career Where it's like times really seemed to mean something and I tried to bring that over into this sphere of the sport and times Isn't really the only important thing. There's a lot of other important things and uh, Over the years like even my previous coach You know he tried to get me to look at things a little bit differently and take a step back and then of course brett you know kind of piggybacked on that and uh just got me to not focus so much on doing all-star workouts and i think adam mary has talked a lot about just like not not winning not winning the workout but winning the race or not winning the mile, but winning the race, winning the overall thing. I, I've heard him and a few other people talking about that recently. And I was like, that's it. That's, I think that's where my mind has gone the last couple years, um, especially doing these longer ones.
1: We've got a lot of smart racers on the line on Saturday, which makes me really excited. I think one of the most emotional moments for many of us watching you finish was you trying to uh, like f- uh, have a phone call or a FaceTime with your wife because she was working for Hoka at a different event that weekend. That's not the case this weekend, right? She gets to be here with you?
5: Uh, yeah, no, she's right there. <laughs> she's, uh, she's in the front row this time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Cole, maybe final question for you. You know, obviously, like... This isn't your first rodeo. You have all the talent in the world to compete against the world's best. This is the world's biggest stage. Anything you want to say about, like, goals for Saturday or how you might approach this event, which is, of course, an event you've worked really hard to get back into this year?
5: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really believe that this is one of those races that if you make all the right little decisions in the first three quarters in that fourth quarter, you know, it's either going to, you know if you made the right ones you're talking about going from top 15 to top 10 and if you're in the top 10 you're talking about top five and you know you just that last 20 you can be thinking about winning if you're in the right position um but uh for the most part i want to just have a better race than i had last year and time wise place wise that's all out the window i think i just need to run that last 20 Uh, because last year i was just doing a lot of walking and a lot of pity party stuff and uh, i just want to be ready to go you know when that time comes
0: run that last 20. We'll be excited to watch you run that last 20. Good luck to you, Cole Watson. Have a great race. Thank you. Big round of applause, Cole Watson, the Barracuda. We'll be right back with Ida Nilsson. Okay, we are back with Ida Nilsson all the way from Sweden. Ida, your first 100 mile race here at Western States. How's it feel to be here?
7: I feel really good. I, I start to get excited now. I've been in this like uh, coma resting mood for <laughs> in the beginning of the week, but now I saw it's like okay, it's two days left. It's right to uh, yeah, time to get excited and time to get ready. I know
1: last year going into the world champ the world championship races in Thailand I think that was for you a a big moment of like oh I, I can still race ultras after kind of a long a long injury time period and then we got to watch you have a phenomenal run there and then have a really close to phenomenal run at black canyon and then an amazing run at the canyons endurance run i feel like your stock is going up that you're coming back to the eden Nilsson that we all know and are all a little bit scared of when it comes to being on the same race course with you do you feel that same momentum as you build towards western states
7: yeah i start to feel like more um that i can like i'm not so scared in training like that i can train properly and it's like uh, No injuries and I've been a good time now. It's like maybe I haven't had like great runs or great workouts, but just to be consistent again. I haven't been able to be that for many years, like since 2019, I think. So that feels really good to be able to trust my body a little bit more
0: again. Can you say more about building that trust again? Is it something that just has to come naturally or do eventually you just need to start taking chances again?
7: I think I'm a person that takes a lot of chances like every time (laughs) because actually it's uh, the only way to to get back to the top like you can be maybe more careful or you can um, switch your approach to racing and training but then actually it's really hard to get good enough so I think I have uh, usually after breaks I, I start training quite a lot and that's what brings me back but of course I try to also be like smart and do more cross training and stuff but you can't get around it that you actually need to train quite a lot to be on the top level and if you still want to do that you have to take chances and and try to get there again. Yeah so talking a little bit about this so this is your debut
1: Western States and your debut 100 mile race which is pretty exciting to have those two things coalescing here I'm kind of curious I mean I've got a lot of reasons as to why Western States
7: but for you like what drew you to make
1: this your debut 100?
7: Yeah, I think for me, it's not like I'm super drawn to so like, oh, I just want to do a 100 miler, whichever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm drawn to like unique races. And I think that's always been in, in trail running and ultra that it's not the specific distance I want to do. But yes, like, oh, this race is super cool. I would like to do it one time. And then I felt um, with Western had been a big draw for um, I think already 2018 I was thinking of it and then I think then I was in like a position that I could have run well here 2018 2019 uh, but then I'm here again like five years later instead because all these uh, things happen in between and um, yeah I think um, maybe I'm not as uh, like fitness wise a good runner as then but I also think uh, with everything happened you you also learn things and I'm extra grateful now to to be here again and be on the start line because I know it's not you always think you have time you know you can do it the next year and blah 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 but uh, I also realize now sometimes you just have to to go for it and it's like okay this is the year and maybe it's not another year the next year like for you so so uh, I'm really grateful for that, and I am super excited to finally be here on the start line. I
0: love that. Sometimes you just got to go for it. What a better place to go for it than the Western States 100. Last time we saw you was at the Canyons 100K, where we've already spoken about you earned your golden ticket there. You finished sixth overall. Super, super impressive, like classic Eden Nielsen performance. We just had Cole Watson on, who was the men's champion of the 100K, too. We asked him about that quick turnaround, seven or eight weeks between Canyons and Western States. How did you approach that from a recovery and a training perspective?
7: Yeah, I didn't take too much recovery. Like the week after, of course, it was easy. I did like maybe 50 miles and some biking and stuff. But then I actually jumped back into training because I felt I have this time and. Um, so I think I have been doing like good mileage, but then I skipped uh, to do really long runs or hard workouts. I've done like some shorter workouts, but mainly focus on just getting like a good volume in, in total and with some doubles and things. So I feel like yeah, I, I I skipped those really long runs. I've done like 130 milers and a lot of just like 20 milers because I felt that was enough after canyons.
1: Yeah, I think when I saw you at Canyons, I asked if you were going home or not. And at that point in time, you had, you had a one-way ticket. You hadn't when you came over for for uh, the Canyons Endurance Run. There was not a return ticket to go home. And you talked about going to Flagstaff. And I'm wondering, kind of where where has this most recent training block occurred? Were you part of the big Flagstaff? group of athletes prepping for Western States?
7: Yes, so I've been there as well, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a good place for it. And also for me, it's uh, for such a long training camp, like eight weeks, it's, I still feel a bit at home there and I have friends and I can live a pretty normal life and training and I think that's important when you're gone for that long time. So then to just stay in a place just by yourself and train would be too long time for that.
0: Maybe say a little bit more about that, and for the audience who doesn't know, even though you're Swedish, you went to the University of Northern Arizona, where you competed at a collegiate level. Of course, that's where the training camp happened. You'll notice a theme among lots of our guests here, a lot of people training in Flagstaff. Talk about that community, what it's meant to you, and why it's a great place to train for Western states
7: yeah i mean I, I loved flagstaff already in, in, in college like I was so surprised not more runners uh, came and trained there because it was pretty much just us the um, the team and then a few random elite runners uh, and now everyone is up there so many elite teams and national teams and everything and i, I it's a place that it changes, but it has something of the old. Feel the same feel, and it's really welcoming. I feel like a uh, really good running community. I uh, always meet new people that to run with, and um, I, I think it's super great. And everyone is like really supportive of each other and uh, and cheering. And um, I, yeah, I think it's unique. Yeah, it's definitely unique, and I think it's been it's been definitely a theme of our interviews
1: for today. Anyway, we've had lots of flagstaff training. I think looking ahead again, first hundred miler on on deck on Saturday. Is there something that you're most excited about for trying this new distance? And is there something that you're most kind of like anxious about going into the race as well?
7: No, I think it's it's exciting now that actually it's like longer than I've ever gone. So it's a little bit this, um, like my first ultra I did, it was um, like 55 miler. And at that point I was like, oh, can you even like run that far? maybe you just like break down and it's not possible. And, And now, it's moving that uh, again I know I can run uh, 60 miles and then it's a little bit unknown territory so I I think that's an exciting part and then um, yeah also to just like take on the course and uh, that it's such a good field of uh, women this year I think that's really exciting I I love uh, good competition and uh, So it's a lot of things I look forward to. And also now, like, oh, it's just really nice to be running for a long day again when you've been resting for a week. Like, my body starts to long for that, to have a good long day out. (laughs) Maybe as
0: we wind down here, a bigger macro question for you. You've been such a great athlete for a long time. You've won some of the most important races in the world. You've also dealt with long periods of injury, as we just talked about. Let me talk about just like the arc of your athletic career and just sort of like the value of sticking with it, staying committed even in those tough times, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who can relate to that.
7: Yeah, I think honestly mainly uh, Depends on that. I really, really love running, and I, I think few people like running so much that I do. That you're actually willing to take. I mean, I, it would be ridiculous if I uh, was counting all the uh, years I had off because of injuries, and all the time I've been like cross training, that is like super boring. It's <laughs> and uh, I really like running, and um, so I think that's like you, you make a decision, and it's like, oh, I want to do this forever as long as I can and then you have to deal with the uh, ups and downs and uh, I think sometimes it's easier uh, for, for me to do it than people around because a lot of people are just like okay no now you're done like uh, it's not we live in a quick so- society where in long-term commitment is it's not a big thing really so I think you just have to be true to yourself and it's like okay this is what I, I want to do with my life. Amazing. Thank you so much for that.
0: And it's a good thing that you really love to run because you have 100 miles to run <laughs> on Saturday. So you'll be doing what you love on good, Saturday. Good, good. Yeah. Big round of applause for Eda Nelson. Best of luck on Saturday. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with Adam Mary. Hang tight. Okay, welcome back. We are here with Adam Mary. Corinne, I'm just realizing that we have this, like, canyons theme here. Cole Watson, Eden this Nelson. Was an, this is an accident. Completely... Accidental. Talking more about canyons here without Adam Mary, but first Adam. Hello. Welcome to Olympic Valley. Your first Let's Western go. States. Hey, Let's thanks. For, go. Thanks
8: for having me, man. This is awesome. Stoked to be here.
0: <laughs> so I believe this
1: is your not only your Western States debut, but your hundred mile debut, correct? Yep, that's right. So we've got a number. We've got a n- number of people that have both Western States debuts and hundred mile debuts going on. It's always a I don't know, not to say, I don't think it's risky, but I think it's exciting. And I'm wondering how you're feeling like being like, I'm gonna step up in distance on potentially the world's biggest stage.
8: Yeah, Uh, well, it's an honor. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, I've wanted to debut at Western States, like I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, So I've been looking forward to the opportunity for a long time. And um, I don't know, I feel grateful that I was able to race canyons, you know? Um, I got a little sense for the heat. Um, Hopefully it won't be as hot uh, on Saturday. Ready for it if so. But yeah, it's gonna be a new distance, Uh, a lot of unexplored territory after 65 miles, and so, um, yeah, I'm like open to it and ready for the challenge.
0: You're off to a super hot start here this season, a win yeah. at chucking up 50K, a second place at the Canyons, 100K, which is where you punched your golden ticket to Western States. But one of the things you and I have in common is that we don't come from a running background. And That's I think right. there's a lot of people who are either running Western States or who are coming into the sport and loving it, who don't come from a running background. Heck yeah. Anything you want to share from that journey or just like the process of developing as an athlete?
8: Yeah, well, so I have like a traditional American sport like background and so, um, um, was always active, built good strength. I feel like as a kid, growing up. But um, I just took my time, man. Like I didn't uh, jump into like really long distances at first. Um, started with a 50k, then like backed up a little bit, then like slowly worked up to 50 miler. And so over the last like four or five years, I've just slowly um, incremented the distance while trying to kind of nail my performance uh, at the distance I was at before I moved up. And so. I feel like that's worked well for me and certainly I'm sure like everyone here can relate to, like the trail culture is just so amazing, you know? And so I was hooked by that, brought in and um, yeah, I mean, I can't get enough of it. And so that's why I like to race so much.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your, talking about trail culture, your training ground in Boulder, Colorado. You've got a, you got quite
8: oh, man. the posse,
1: I think where the, the Boulder boys are probably in the house somewhere. Uh, somewhere here. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, it's also yeah.
8: Drew's birthday. So <gasps> wish him a happy, happy birthday, birthday when you see him. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Drew! (laughs) Fifth in the world in Innsbruck two weeks ago. Big dog.
1: (laughs) Drew Holman. But talk about a little bit, you know, these are the guys that you are spending a lot of your time with. You got, I've heard them like refer to each other as like the brain trust, right? Like you guys are helping each other out, bouncing ideas around, being there for one another out on the trail day after day, workout after workout. Like talk a little bit about like what that means. I mean, I I think in my mind, these guys have had a lot of success at this race and other races. Like that's got to like produce some confidence in you too. Like I just like would love to hear more about that dynamic.
8: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's kind of a dream scenario, you know, to have people like that to try train with that you really uh, enjoy spending time with uh, even outside of running. And so like, yeah, we have a good time on the trails. A lot of times we're running easy, um, but oftentimes we push um, together and it does give me confidence to know that like I'm fit and like ready to compete with some of the best athletes in the world, which I'm lucky to call training partners and friends. And so, um, yeah, apart from that, like over the years I've gotten to crew for both Matt and Drew and also see their experience at the race. like, um, And so I know a little bit behind the scenes like what it takes to, to do well here. And so, um, yeah, I've certainly like benefited from their experience and uh, they've given me some good advice.
0: One of the things I like to talk about is the performance enhancing quality of being happy in life. Yep. We just talked to Keely, she just got engaged. This uh. morning we talked to Dakota about his bike ride all the way out here from Salt Lake City and how that gave him meaning and purpose and we were sort of speculating that that might have a performance enhancing quality. You're a brand new dad. 100%. Talk (laughs) talk, talk about dad strength, this new chapter for you and the inspiration it gives you for Saturday.
8: Oh, man. Well, I was just pushing uh, my son, Arthur, over here in the stroller this morning just to come hang out in the village. And he was just smiling at me for like 10 minutes, you know, just like kind of making faces. And so little moments like that give me so much uh, inspiration and strength. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him out there on the course uh, at a couple aid stations, hopefully. But yeah, just like calling to mind those moments in the race when things get tough, um, I feel like works really well for me. Um, and yeah, just knowing that he and my wife, Julianne, are out here supporting me, um, yeah, it just gives me that little extra oomph, little extra push when it gets hard.
1: I love it. I got to meet the baby yesterday. Hi, so baby. So
8: cute.
1: <laughs> Hopefully napping right now. Yeah. yeah.
8: Yeah, she's the real hero of of the weekend, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, the crew's going to need extra crewing. 100%. Crew the baby. 100%. Crew Adam. Um, I want to speak back, kind of backtracking back to the momentum that you've been building. I feel like, again, momentum and distance, right? You've been slowly working your way up in distance. Dylan mentioned, I feel like this is like an ascendant year for you. I I got to watch you, like... I was gonna swear, haul butt at Chuckanut. It was really, really impressive. We got to watch you have this just like amazing finish at Canyons, like talk a little bit about the momentum that you feel is like brimming as we move into Western States on Saturday.
8: Yeah, thanks. I was, I was hauling some serious butt trying to catch Seth. You know, he's a speedy dude at, at Chuckanut. But um, yeah, you know, I really feel like I've just had this positive feedback cycle of running my own race and that producing good results. And so, um, yeah, I was actually talking to my teammate and friend, Adam Peterman, this morning. He gave me some sage wisdom, said, run your own race. So that's what I plan to do. And uh, I hope that works out for me. You know, like, I think for everyone running on Saturday, there's going to be moments when it gets tough and uh, challenging. And so, um, hopefully, that comes later in the race. But if not, like, I'll just embrace it as it comes and, and dig in.
0: Say more about the conversation with Adam Peterman. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to be a fly on the wall there. Oh, man. And, and maybe more generally, like how you do the homework. Who are you consulting? And what kind of advice has been bestowed upon you as you approach your first 100 miler here at Western States?
8: Yeah. So I mean, conversation with Adam, super awesome. He's I don't know, like the people's champ, dude, like everybody loves him. He's as genuine and nice as he seems like uh, in interviews and and whatnot. Um, I love that guy. And certainly his performance last year is a huge inspiration uh, for somebody like me debuting at the race. And so, um, yeah, you know, just kind of general advice. Like, I think what it comes down to is staying, you know, within yourself in the sense of like not, getting caught up in other people's races or the race within the race too early. And so that's kind of what we were talking about. And then more generally, like I've had the opportunity to talk to Drew and Matt, who've both run this race um, and done really well. And so um, the little things like um, when to hike and you know when to keep it easy in the high country, like kind of nitty gritty like that we've talked about. Um, And then also just, I've gotten to see up close what they go through like later in the race and how, if you're feeling kind of shitty at forest hill like that's okay just keep moving keep trucking and uh you know things work out and so um i'll call those things to mind uh if i'm in a similar place on saturday
1: we can all recall the 2021 drew holman who was just like completely out of his mind (laughs) at the finish line there wasn't a whole lot going on at that point he was in the
0: hospital for four days let's not do that we won't yeah we're not
1: going to do that But kind of speaking about running your own race, this winter, you took on coaching yourself. And I think that provided a lot of, like, ownership in what you were doing and the ability to really tune into your body day in and day out. And I think that's, like, I think that's interesting and, and cool and inspirational to, like, have this moment of, like, you know, you've learned a lot from previous coaches. You've got a great group of people to kind of bounce ideas around on. Like, talk a little bit about just, like, taking ownership of about what you're doing day in and day out? Cause I think that just like creates a lot of investment.
8: Yeah, yeah, well, so I think it works really well for me because I have close friends that I trust and like talk about racing and training with and um, so I can sanity check myself, make sure that like, you know, things that I'm <laughs> planning on doing aren't crazy um, and the races that we're gonna do or like make sense. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, like getting to listen to my body and run a little longer if I feel like on a day or run a little shorter if I don't, um, taking rest days when I need them rather than them being prescribed, like works really well for me. And I've, I guess I've enjoyed getting back to that because when I first started, like I didn't have a coach, you know, and um, th- that flexibility, especially with uh, a full-time job outside of running and a new new, newborn and, uh, you know, busy life, like it works, you know? And so I think it gives me confidence that I've done, I've listened to my body and done what has worked best for me in this training block. Um, and yeah, like all of my friends have, kind of lifted me up and uh, yeah, I'm like taking that into in to race day with me.
0: We just released a cool training video with you where at the end you said something to the effect of, if I'm in the hunt near the end of the race, I'm willing to go there. Sort of going back to what we said about Drew and you're bearing witness to him going there. <laughs> yep. how, do you, how do you cultivate that willingness, especially because you know there is gonna be sort of deep suffering. Yeah. Where does the, the, the willingness come from?
8: Um, Well, it comes from a genuine and authentic place. Like I've wanted to be in this race for a long time. And so um, through the ups and downs with trying to qualify, like I've wanted to run this race more badly and more badly with each passing year. You know, it hasn't waned. And so that's part of it. Um, I'm a competitor and so I like to compete with myself, but also with the people around me, you know? And so that's part of being able to get the most out of yourself is being surrounded by great athletes. And so I'm looking forward to that. And then also like, I have a deep meaning, like I really do want to represent for like multiracial people, BIPOC people, like at the highest level. And so I think all of those things like come together for me. And uh, I mean, I've joked around with, with my boys about this, but it's like, dude, if I'm in the hospital, like so be it, you know what I mean? Like worth man, like to me, you know what I'm saying? If I have the ability to push myself, if I have the ability to push myself that hard at the end of the race and my body's still cooperating, like, I don't know, like I'm gonna do that.
1: What is it you're planning to run in the box?
8: Yeah. I'm going to be in the box. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be, I'm going to be hanging out there, enjoying it, you know, testing the boundaries.
0: Mega box, <laughs> Mega dude. box. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a quote after Canyons. <laughs> uh, because we've asked uh, both Ida and Cole the same question, maybe we'll ask you too. Obviously Canyons, where you got your golden ticket, was seven or eight weeks ago now. Yes. How do you, how do you approach the acute recovery after the fact with a quick turnaround? So sp- speaking both about the recovery and the final training block.
8: Yeah. So I took like, five days off after the race and didn't run. Um, I felt like I could have, but uh, I felt like that was wise to do. Um, and then the next week, just pretty unstructured, uh, easy volume. And then, yeah, I've just built back up to full volume, um, had a couple good weeks with uh, specific workouts. Um, and that's, I think, the balance when you race so close, like when you do canyons, like right before this is you can't. I don't think it's wise to get greedy like um, in training with volume and intensity, just because there's not enough time for your like endocrine system to kind of like rebound uh, when you've raced that close. And so for me, I've just been like pretty moderate in my approach. Um, I'm confident in my fitness, both from canyons and like the workouts and runs I've done. And so um, yeah, I don't know. Like you gotta be fresh for a hundred, you know, to go deep. And so I think I've got that going for me on Saturday.
1: I think kind of final question on on my end is that, you know, you've mentioned this, you're jumping into the unknown, right? I think the unknown can be scary, but I think it can also be really liberating and really exciting. And I'm wondering what is exciting you the most about jumping into the unknown on Saturday?
8: Man, I'm super curious. You know, I've been curious about hundred miles for years and uh, I was kind of getting to the point being like, man, like, I don't know if I'm gonna have the opportunity to debut at States. Like I might just have to do it somewhere else. Um, and so I'm curious to know what it feels like between 65 and 100. Like, I, th- I think it's a lot different. It's a lot of more hours of running. Um, and just, I don't know, like getting to feel that, like what it really feels like, the deep kind of um, suffering or just experience, you know, like the place that takes you mentally. Um, I'm looking forward to experiencing. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, uh, it's going to be a journey, but like I'm, I'm looking forward to all that it's going to be.
0: It's going to be a journey, somebody who's run this race. I'm sure uh, Corinne would also agree. Mega (laughs) box, mega (laughs) box. It is a journey. Big round of applause for Adam Peterman. I'm sorry, Adam Mary.
8: Adam Peterman incumbent.
0: Excuse me, we will have Adam Peterman here tomorrow, but this is Adam Mary. Excuse me, thanks so much for joining. We'll be right back with Western States Royalty, Casey Liktai. Okay, we are back, like I said, with Western States royalty. Casey Lichtai legend joins us. In fact, you're gonna be on the Legends panel. Yes. Probably the youngest ever Legends panel participant, <laughs> Casey Lichtai, who is here for her staggering ninth Western States in a row. Casey, how's it feel to be back?
9: I'm really stoked. I, I love it here, so the stoke is high. <laughs> yeah, before we, we jumped on here, that I
1: was I was putting together all the bios for this last night, late last night, because I'm a procrastinator. And it was like debut Western states, <laughs> debut western states. I, I probably wrote debut western states like a dozen times, it felt like. Got to yours. Yeah, staggering. You've done it, you finished eight times, you have four top tens, one of which was was winning in twenty sixteen.
0: Three podiums.
1: Insane. Yep like insane consistency, insane love of this race. Like, I think that's the biggest thing when I, like when I think about you, I think about like your passion and love for this event. And I would love to hear from you personally about like why Western States is so just incredibly special to you.
9: Yeah, I, since coming here in 2014, I found um, that it's not just the, the race, it's the community here and the people that I've come to bring as my own family kind of, or, adopt as my own family. Um, that's why I love it so much. The The atmosphere here is just tremendous. Like you can't get that anywhere else. And from like training camp to running the race, like it all just part of my life anymore, it seems like. So it's a family reunion and this is a celebration. To, so on Saturday, we will all celebrate. <laughs>
0: Maybe name check a few of those people. Like who are some of the people who you look forward to seeing and like that make the Western States community so special over the course of the past decade for you?
9: I mean, like all the volunteers. I get to see, you know, Carol and Sherry, Craig, obviously, and just the whole community, like the Michigan Bluff group. I love them. Um, You know, like everybody here is just a great family. It's a great, great place to be.
1: One thing that I think is particularly cool, looking at your finishes, and I think that you were the one to point it out maybe last year or the year before, is that you have one of each buckle. You have a <laughs> cougar, too, which is pretty special. But that you have one of each buckle, and that wasn't disappointing, it seemed like to you. like That was, like, that was, that was value. That was the the race you had that day. That was celebration of, of the experience you had. I think that for many elites, that would those moments might have been just mega lows and I feel like you instead embraced every single one of those races that didn't go perfectly to plan and I would love to just hear a little bit more about kind of like riding the Western States roller coaster
9: yeah it started you know back in 2014 so that was the naive casey that thought oh yeah i can run this little 150 meter hill at home and it's gonna be like gonna get me in shape nope i, I learned my lesson very quickly came back you know came in like second the next year and then had my win and then had the run at the river and the crash and burn at the river that was my 24 hour race and that one I learned the most about myself and that, you know, you just continue to persevere and each of these races that I've ran have become a chapter of my life. And so each one is completely different. There's stories of like when I came back from my surgery and only had eight weeks to train for it last year. So I still, you know, like just the love of this race pulls you through. If you have that passion and you desire, it'll it'll take you all the way.
0: So just to clarify, when Corinne says that you have one of each buckle, that means you have a champion's buckle, you have a silver buckle, many silver buckles sub 24, and you have a bronze buckle over 24 hours. So you have had all of the experiences. (laughs) For those who are newer to the sport, can you please tell the get in the boat story?
9: Yes, so I had one of the worst races of my life in 2017, and I sat at the river, contemplating if i was going to cross the river or not and i really wanted to end my day that day i sat there at the river for over an hour and um this angel the trail angel stephanie case came down to the trail and she bounced in beside me she sat down and she's like what are you doing here you should not be here and here her crew got her like mcdonald's chicken nuggets she's eating and she's like having the best time of her life and i'm like oh my gosh she's loving this and I'm in like this pain cave of death and I want to stop but I'm like there was something in me that knew I didn't want to stop and she knew that too and from the river the people around me like AJW my coach Jason Coop Miguel like Mike Pacers everybody was just surrounding me saying she's not gonna quit and Stephanie grabbed me and pulled me up out of that chair put a little waist light on me and said we're getting in the boat And I said, okay, but I'm not gonna go any farther. I'm gonna stop at Green (laughs) Gate. And I crossed the river, got up to Green Gate, and I'm like, all right, I'm not stopping. We're gonna do this, we're gonna finish. And without the, you know, the trail community and Stephanie and everybody else, I don't know if I would have finished. So it's just, that was one of the most uh, monumental days that I will always cherish.
1: I was sitting at Green Gate with a runner who wanted to drop, and I think she sat there for three hours before we finally started walking down the trail to a 28-plus hour finish. It was a brutal day for, for everyone. I watched, I watched you all come through there, check in on the runner that I was sitting with, and then kind of continue to, to mosey forward. I love the reflection, too, of last year of the, like, coming off a of surgery and being like, I want to be here, this is where I need to be, getting those eight weeks of training in. Knowing that that's what you were—that's all that you were gonna have coming into the race—and that was okay. Kind of fast forward now. It's it's 2023. You you had a, a, a you had a really good Havilena. Like I think that there were a lot of like bright lights at that race as far as like Casey's here. I think you had a, a hard day. Maybe is it Black Canyon? Yeah, yeah Black Canyon <laughs> in February. Not not quite as smooth, but I feel like you know looking at your training looking at how things have been coming together. It's it's the Casey that I've witnessed, I think, in 2018 and 2019, et cetera. I guess, kind of speak a little bit about where you are currently in this, like, where you've been in the last couple months building into your, yeah, your ninth Western States.
9: Yeah, I finally can see, like, the old Casey back. It was one of those touch and goes where I'm, like, nervous about the injury, re-injury, and um, just getting that confidence back in myself and trusting my body and trusting what i'm doing and my training and now i finally feel like i'm at that point where it's like okay i can trust my body again and it's one of the best feelings and just to be confident again in running and not feeling like what if my day ends because of my body you know so it's been really really good
0: so as we've mentioned this is going to be western states number nine there are consequences attached to this year's race beyond it just being, you know, the most important 100 miler in North America and something that means a lot to you. Maybe explain to the audience what I mean by that. What does number 9 mean and what are the consequences attached to it?
9: Number 9 is the race that you don't screw up (laughs) because this is the chance to get to number 10 and if I screw up this year and not finish, then it's going to be a very, very difficult road to get back into the race again. So this year is like you can't screw up, don't make stupid mistakes, run smart, get to that finish line because number 10 is on automatic entry. So I want to get that thousand mile buckle so bad it's been the dream of my life. So that's going to be my number one goal.
1: Are those consequences or is that privilege?
0: Privilege, yeah, maybe consequences (laughs) the the wrong word. But I think we should emphasize how uh, amazing that is, the consistency over time and how it likely will never happen again. And we are getting ahead of ourselves. You still need to finish it two more times to get 10 in a row. But you're on the precipice of number nine. And once you get number nine, you're automatic into next year where you will have your shot to get your thousand mile buckle. It's an amazing display of consistency over time.
9: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Anything you want to say about that, too? Because, like, for those who follow you, they know that you really love running, and it it really brings a lot of value into your life, and it's sort of something that I think you, you know, share the love for with the community as well. Like, if you want to talk about just, like, the consistency through the injuries that you've had here, and we just talked to Ida about this, too, of, like, just sticking with it through the highs and lows.
9: Right. I mean, not every year is going to be, like, going to go well. You're going to get injuries just with our sport and to know when to pull back, when to push forward and to have that kind of confidence and guidance of yourself to l- listen to your body and learn. Over the years, I've definitely came in tune with my body and I know what I can do. I know my limits now and just the more you do this, the more you find that and just just never not basically always believe in yourself because you, you can do more than you can actually fathom in your mind because, like last year, I never thought I could do that finish. I was so scared, but you just got to trust and believe, and that's our sport. Trust and believe in yourself and our community.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of community out there working on getting you from here at Palisades Tahoe all the way to the Auburn track. We've asked a lot of people about the weather today. We've speculated about a lot about the weather and the course conditions over the past six weeks, eight weeks since training camp, you know, having witnessed some of that. You've also personally witnessed this race in probably every possible scenario snow, cold, very, very hot. You know, looking ahead at this race weekend is, and knowing the conditions that lay, lay ahead for you all, reflecting on maybe 2017 and, and 2019, the cooler years where there was some more snow in the high country maybe some wetness in the high country, but then also like some really fun running maybe later in the race. Like what about that is maybe you're kind of keeping top of mind to make sure that you check those boxes and don't make mistakes. And then what about the current conditions is most exciting for you?
9: Right. I know from the past, like 2017, when we had a lot of snow, I went out too hard in the snow and I got dehydrated. And by the time I hit devil's thumb, things were not looking great. I was just way behind on fluids. And by the time you get to Michigan bluff i just was like i think i'm going to pass out like this is not going well so now knowing what i know from then i'm going to make sure i'm conservative be very adamant about you know get your hydration get you take care of yourself don't be naive and think you don't need it when you're working a lot harder in snow than you would be on dry trails but then knowing that there's dry trails coming up you're going to you want to run those so if as long as you can like manage yourself and like stay calm and patient When you hit those trails, let it go and fly and just see what you can do.
0: Maybe last question for you, Casey. When you won the race, it was a moment where everybody was just so impressed. I mean, you live in Nebraska, right? And I think there's a lot of people who have high mountain competitive dreams, right? But they live in a place where they don't have access to trails like we have here in Palisades Tahoe. Arlen Glick is sort of similar on the men's side, podium finisher last year from Ohio. Anything you wanna share with the audience about like how to train for the mountains, how to train for sort of like mountain trails when you don't have great access to them at home? Right, so
9: I really don't have anything that's long and steep climbs. The highest or longest climb is like 250 feet. And your body knows what descents and ascents are basically. So What I do is just go out there and just run monotonous loops and up and down, up and down, you get like four to 5,000 feet and 20 miles. So it's just a different way of doing it, but you can still manage and just finding new techniques and ways if you can get out and come to the training camp for races like this, it is highly recommended. I, I wish I would have done that the first year because it's, it helps, it pays off.
0: Amazing. Well, Casey, on behalf of the whole Western States community, you bring such an amazing energy and story and love for the race to the event. We're so happy to have you back for number nine, and we'll look forward to following your day on Saturday. Awesome. Thank you. Big round of applause for Casey Ligtai.
9: Thank you, guys.
0: We're going to wrap up the afternoon show with Mr. Ludovic Pomeray. Get started in just a sec. to
10: Try to understand you. We'll
1: try, yeah. We'll try to be thoughtful.
0: Okay, welcome back. We are here with Ludovic Pomeray to round out the afternoon session here at the Western States Pre-Race Interview Show. Hoka athlete Ludovic Pomeray, big thank you to Hoka for making our broadcast possible, not only today, but also on Saturday. Ludo, Frenchman, welcome back to the United States of America. We were just talking about your trip to Yosemite. How does it feel to be back?
10: I'm, I'm good until now. <laughs> not uh, so tired. We'll see you uh, on Saturday evening. Hope so.
1: I think coming into the race last year, a lot of people, uh, maybe like, I don't think they had the confidence in you that they should have, and all of a sudden, I know you led early, you went on to finish sixth in the men's race, think people doubted you in part because you were one of the older men competing in the elite field, which I think is silly, but I think that 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 was a reason why, and then you showed up and kind of proved them wrong you're back this year I'm kind of wondering like how that feels to come
10: back and be looking at this group of elite men once again so yeah I'm happy to be back but uh, yeah it's a different year it's different uh, weather condition it's different yeah we will have a lot of snow so I'm happy to be back uh, and I I don't know what will be the race but (laughs) let's see on Saturday and uh, yeah it's just uh, amazing to be here again Uh, I have the chance to to race again, so I take it. <laughs> so you're a
0: UTMB champion, a TDS champion, a Diagonal Day food champion. Like Corinne said, you're sixth here last year. What part of the race do you feel like you might be able to improve upon and to maybe take a step up the podium? Uh, the podium,
10: <laughs> uh, the, podium <laughs> uh, yeah, the podium, you know, it d- depends on the other racers. It's not only you. And so uh, I'm more um, how to say? I'm more confident on on the first part because it's more mountain, then it's a uh, r- lot of run, runnable uh, pass, and uh, yeah, that's not where I'm really strong. But uh <laughs> I try to uh, not to be uh, to have weakness. So I'm not uh, strong uh, somewhere, but I'm I try to avoid weakness. And uh, yeah, the the last part uh, it depends if it's uh, really warm or not, but I know that uh, it's not. It's not my favorite because uh, you have to run all the way. So I'm uh, more, uh, how you say, a walker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I walk <laughs> in the mountain. Uh, and uh, for this race, I have to prepare uh, quite uh, differently. I have to run more. So my uh, my mileage uh, on the week was higher than usual, but uh, my evaluation was uh, lower than usual. So...
1: expect and he said that he thought you were quite excited for the snow on the first part of the course are, are you actually excited
10: for the snow on the first part of the course yeah i'm I'm used to uh, to run on the snow uh, but i don't know what will be uh, um, the snow condition so if it will be uh, melted or or hard so we'll see in the race and we will have all, all the same uh same condition, so we <laughs> have to uh, yeah, to, uh, to run on this, uh, this condition, and let's see what happens.
0: Talking a little bit more about toughness, I was talking to Drew Holman recently, who finished just ahead of you in last year's Western States, and he said he passed you sort of going into Forest Hill last year and he figured, okay, Ludo's cooked, I'm going to blast right past him. But then you ended up passing him multiple more times and you engaged in battle all the way to the finish line. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know, lessons in your career of just like consistency and and just like having the will to compete throughout the course of a 100 mile race. Can you talk about consistency and perseverance for the entirety of the 100 mile race?
10: Uh, I'm not sure I have catched the question. If there's a question, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm still uh, yeah I'm still happy to uh, to race a uh, long race and uh, now um, let's say uh, it's more difficult for me to race short race because it's too fast <laughs> and uh, yeah long race especially this one is fast but uh, yeah, yeah you have to keep keep the pace all the all the way and uh, yeah it's different and. Uh, let's say that it's not easier but uh, yeah long race uh, when you are old let's say <laughs> uh, yeah it's easier to raise this kind of, um, of races, even if this one uh, is a bit special because uh, you know it's around 15-16 uh, uh, hours for uh, 100 miles that's different uh, for the UTMB or Diagonal where you have more than 20 hours so
1: of this like aggressive push at the front of the race on Saturday do you think that in part because you like the high country so much that you will be near the front pushing the pace of the race
10: I don't know it depends on the others as well Uh, yeah my coach said that I was too fast last year uh, at the beginning Uh, it was not my feeling because uh, yeah the (laughs) it was uh yeah the, the thing that I, I like to, to climb and go downhill and uh, after uh, for more runnable paths it's more difficult. And uh, yeah, what I said, it's what is difficult. It's to keep running all the way. Yeah,
0: so talk a little bit about like
10: how your training is different between a race
0: like UTMB or TDS versus Western States. I, lo- I think people would love to hear just like how you adjust things to be specifically trained for Western States.
10: So as I said, I, I did more uh, in kilometers in a week uh, and less uh, elevation. So I try to to find uh, trails where I can run all the way and to not walk. And that's the difference with uh, UTMB and more uh, with Diagonal de fou where you are you are walking a lot. So you you have to find a trail where you you walk also and uh i know that this uh pass on western side is uh, not technical <laughs> uh there's no really uh steep uh slopes so, or yeah you have to find and to train uh on a similar uh, way or, or trails uh, that you will find on the race so that's why i try to uh, to make make uh, less elevation and more in kilometers I don't know if it will be better or not. I I, hike less than last year because last year I uh, I, uh, um, hiked around 100 miles the the week before. And this year, I have more rest, so let's see.
1: (laughs) Last year, you got to experience how hot the course can get. This year, it might not be quite as warm, but I'm wondering if your experience from last year helped to inform or change
10: your preparation for the heat? Uh, unfortunately in, uh, in France uh, it was not heat at all <laughs> so so it was quite cold now uh, it's uh, it's quite warm in France and it's cold here so I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to train but uh, yeah that difference last year I came two weeks before uh, this time only one week um, but even in Yosemite uh, and, uh, and Sequoia Park it was quite cold so no acclimation to uh, so let, let's see. Uh, let's see on the tr- on on Saturday.
0: <laughs> Maybe final question for you here, Ludo. I went and looked, and you ran your first ultra marathon. It looked like in two thousand and four. So it's been nearly a twenty-year career for you. Can you say a few words about just like maintaining the love and the consistency over such a long time horizon?
10: Yeah, that's great. In to- thousand and four, it was my first uh, UTMB. Uh, but I dropped the race, so <laughs> I could not give uh, some advice <laughs> because uh, I finished my first ultra uh, marathon, so more than 100 miles uh, in uh, 2009 only. So it's not uh, that far. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm uh, happy to to be able to uh, to run, and I, I hope that I can still uh, run. I don't know how many years, but. Uh, We'll see, and uh, there's a lot of other races, so that's what keeps you, uh, uh, I don't know, that you are still uh, still want to, to race, because there's still some race that I have not done. And uh, there's one in US, but um, I have no chance to get a, any bib until now, so let's see, uh, next year. <laughs> yeah, that hard rock, yes. <laughs> yeah, this, this year we'll have a gentleman trying to be the oldest finisher of the race
1: ever at 75. Years
0: old, so you have a couple
10: more
0: decades <laughs> ahead of you, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last year's sixth place finisher, Mr. Ludovic Pomeray, coming all the way from France. Big round of applause. Thank you, and uh, have
10: a good race, for all of you.
0: The French are strong. We all know it. Ludo is going to put on a show for us. A big thank you to you all for sitting and hanging out with Corinne and I all day today, both in person and on YouTube. A big thank you again to Hoka for making our broadcast possible and for making the race possible. We will be back here on stage 9 a.m. tomorrow. I'll read our guest list quickly. We'll have Katie Asmuth, Mathieu Blanchard, Meg Morgan, Nico Mermood, the co-founder of Hoka, Leah Yingling, and then we're going to have an awesome sort of analysis prognostication session between myself, Corinne, Adam Peterman, and Megan Hicks from I Run Far. So that's going to be the itinerary starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow. For now, thank you so much for joining us. Peace out.